Dear listener, welcome to your favorite New Life program. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Nsavim Tesh is on standby with the health segment. Today, she'll talk about intestinal parasites. Thereafter, Brother Stephen will be joining us during the Bible segment to talk about why worship, why give. But first, let us listen to Faithful Today with a song, I Cannot Be Contented. Welcome back to listener. It's now time for the health segment. Join me as I welcome Sabim Teshi. Hello listener. Welcome to our program Health Nuggets. I'm your presenter Musavi Muteshi. Parasites are organisms that receive their nourishment from other organisms. Today, we will look at intestinal parasites. 
Human intestinal parasites are typically worms or one-celled organisms that live within our intestines. They can live anywhere in our body, but they prefer the intestinal wall. There, they use our blood and our body's waste as their food. They are a problem for us humans because they cause inflammation of our intestine and that results in diarrhea and the inability of our body to absorb nutrients from the food we have eaten. Intestinal parasites can also pass through our intestinal wall to spread through our bloodstream to organs of our body such as our liver and our lungs, causing severe disease. Infections of the intestine, such as those caused by parasites, are the second leading cause of death and illness worldwide, killing almost 3 million people every year. Parasites are shed in human and animal waste, and that waste sometimes finds its way into our drinking water and into the water we use to grow our food. People living in developing countries are at an increased risk of parasite infections because their water can become contaminated with parasites due to inadequate sewage systems. Children are also at increased risk because they come into contact with infected dirt in places such as sandboxes and school playgrounds. Certain groups of people are at increased risk of developing parasite infections. God designed our immune system to fight infections such as these caused by parasites. But people who must take steroids or medicines to fight cancer have immune systems that have been weakened, making a parasitic infection more likely. Also, if you have the AIDS virus infection or a cancer such as lymphoma, which weakens your immune system, you are at increased risk. Symptoms of parasite infections usually include a mild diarrhea containing mucus that appears a few days to several weeks after infection and lasts from several days to several months. The belly bloats and the infected person develops a lot of gassiness. Weight loss is common as is pale skin. Because a vitamin deficiency often develops, the infected person may feel tired and they may notice tingling in their arms or legs. At times, unfortunately, there are no symptoms whatever to warn the infected person of their danger. Your doctor can suspect the diagnosis of a parasite infection from the history of prolonged diarrhea and abdominal bloating alone. Testing the human waste for blood can, pro can provide a clue, and blood tests can reveal antibodies to the parasites. The infection can be positively confirmed by testing the diarrhea for parasite eggs or for the parasites themselves. Treatment of the infection is by antiparasite drugs that are now available. These drugs need to be prescribed by a doctor, and the instructions the doctor gives need to be followed closely. The drugs will usually treat the infection successfully, but it can return if the infecting source remains. We can become infected by a parasite either by direct or indirect contact with the parasite. Let us first consider the direct contact. There are three ways a direct contact with the parasite can cause infection. The most common way is through person-to-person -person spread. This happens when a person or a pet with the infection touches you. Their touch allows the parasite to spread directly from their skin to yours. Handling human and animal waste is the second way to spread the infection. The waste of an infected person or pet contains parasites as long as their infection lasts, and that can be months to even years after the symptoms have stopped. Finally, an infected mother can pass the parasite to her unborn baby through her bloodstream. 
Indirect contact is the other method of spreading the parasite. Parasites remain on objects such as doorknobs or faucet handles for extended periods of time. When you touch a doorknob previously handled by someone with parasites on their skin, the parasites they leave behind can transfer to your hands. Then, if you touch your eyes, your mouth, your nose before washing your hands, you can become infected. Another important method of spread through indirect contact is the passing of parasites through contaminated food and water. Fruit and vegetables that have been grown using contaminated water can have parasites and presented on their surface. If you then eat them without first washing or cooking them, you can become infected. What can you do to prevent developing an intestinal parasitic infection? Remember that parasite infections result either from your coming into direct contact with the parasite or by indirect contact with contaminated sources such as food exposed to contaminated water or sewage. So, wash your hands with soap after using the toilet and before eating. Wash your children after they play outdoors. Eat only the raw fruit you can peel for yourself. Wash your vegetables with clean water and cook your other food before you eat it. Washing food in clean water removes parasites that may be on the surface and boiling or cooking food kills all parasites. Freezing or smoking food does not. If necessary, boil the water you use to wash your food to be sure it is safe. You are traveling, drink only bottled water and drinks. Avoid eating refined sugar foods such as those found in highly processed foods, sweets and junk foods that contain added sugar. Parasites feed on refined sugar. Other ways to avoid infection is to never share your toothbrush, comb, razor, drinking glasses or dining utensils with anyone. If you have been treated for intestinal parasite infection, get retested to be sure the parasites are truly gone. Carefully follow your doctor's advice and instructions concerning ways you can avoid becoming reinfected. Getting a second parasite infection can cause even more serious health problems. Health Nugget is written by Dr. Richard Yokel, a medical doctor working in the United States. The medical views expressed in this program are his and may differ for your particular health needs. If you need medical advice, please consult a medical profession in your area. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, dear listener, and I hope that you're enjoying the program. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mahangi. For your views, comments, or questions about the show, kindly write to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now have an item from Faith for Today entitled, I Was On His Mind. I'm not at all about tweet. I'm nothing on my own. I make mistakes. I often sleep. I'm just common fresh and born. But I prove someday just why I say I'm of a special kind. For when he mind. He proved 
thorns were on his head. Blood was on his tattered clothes, stained in crimson red. Though his eyes were on the crowd and death, he looked ahead in time. For when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He proved me that he loves me. He paid all the debt for my It is now time for the Bible segment. Join me as I invite Brother Steve Rundu. Welcome, Brother. Why worship? Why give? These are very important questions to any worshiper. Let us go to the book of Genesis, chapter 28, verses 16 to verses 22. May I read? When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it he called the place Bethel though the city used to be called Luz then Jacob made a vow saying if God will be with me and he will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. 
author Mark Allen Powell addresses the fundamental principle behind biblical giving. The patriarch, I quote, Jacob experiences God's presence in a dream and not knowing what else to do, sets up a stone and pours oil over the top of it. Powell points out that early Old Testament people who had been touched by the goodness of God wanted to worship God. And they did that by taking something that belonged to them and giving it to God in the only way they knew how. Later, Powell discusses giving as it relates to those of us in the New Covenant. God may be pleased indeed, delighted with us even if we are giving the wrong amount. Even if we are giving to unworthy or an inappropriate cause, as we learn more about stewardship of course, we will want to grow in those respects. We can spend a lifetime trying to find better ways of fulfilling God's expectations, but for starters, our principal concern is giving should not be where to give or how to give or how much to give. First, let us focus on why. If we give with hearts full of devotion for the God who loves us, then the questions of where and how and how much will work themselves out in time. I once served as a pastor in a congregation where the people wanted me to visit all of the inactive members. All of the people I visited told me in one way or another that they had quit coming to church because they weren't getting out of it, whatever it was that they thought they should. This surprised me because when I was a child and my family went to church on Saturday morning, my mother used to tell us, we are going to worship God. And now that I am a lot older, I have discovered something else. When people do this, when they come to church to worship God, something wonderful happens. They invariably discover that they are much more likely to get something out of the experience than if they had come for any other reason. I don't know why this is. Maybe God just has a sense of irony or maybe the point is that one of our greatest needs is to worship God. So worship is essential to faith. But I have also said the sacrifice is essential to worship. Why is that? Because worship almost, by definition, is the opposite of self-centeredness. Doing this always involves some element of self-denial or sacrifice. Giving up something that we value, giving up attention to our wants and our needs in order to focus on God. When we give cheerfully as an act of worship, the very act of giving moves us to lose interest in ourselves and to devote ourselves to God. Remember that self is an element of the evil or the kingdom of Satan. Selflessness is love and love is God's character. Therefore, when we have a relationship with God, we take or we develop part of his character, the act of selflessness. And that is why in all those six days we shall do our own work. We shall think of how to start our business. We shall think of how to toil our land. We shall think of how to make money for our own selves. But on the seventh day, we shall go to worship God because that is a day we have put aside to center on God and not on ourselves. Worship is an act of us concentrating on something that loves us and concentrates on us every other day when we are not even concentrating in that thing. That is, concentrating in God. 
God has loved us throughout even when we did not love him and therefore when we come to know of his love to us for us we start concentrating by giving even what even belongs to us we will give extra because we are worshiping but we will give exactly what we are required to give because it is a duty upon us therefore we are called upon to go to church to worship and part of worshiping is giving giving our time giving our thoughts giving our abilities giving our monies giving all that we care for to God because they all belong to him now think about this why do you go to church i know some of you might say i go to church because my friend goes there others might say i go to church because my parents take me to church others say we go to church because it is it is a requirement in our family and we have many other reasons but ask yourself why do you go to church i personally do go to church for worship at for I have prayed trusting and believing in the mighty name of your son Jesus Christ amen Dear listener, we have come to the end of our program. Thank you for keeping me company. For your views, comments, or questions about the show, kindly write to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 422-76-00100-Nairobi-Kenya-or-email-us-through-awr-nairobi-at-ek.adventist.org. Until next time, may our God be with you. I've been a presenter, Samuel Mangi. Of your presence to blow through every part and the 
Salve! Hey. 